morning, my renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. My name is Sarah Jane, and today is a Persecution Press episode. But before all of that, there's a lot that I need to get into in the intro, okay? Shout out, first shout out, because we have two amazing people that I want you guys to start following and I want you guys to start listening to, okay? First is Hold Up TV. I will be um, a guest on his podcast show called Conversations That Matter. It will be on YouTube, and I will put a link down in the description below on how to reach him and how to watch everything. And you know what? You just might see my face because, you know, I'm decisive like that. Um, I Part of me wants to show my face. Really, really, really wants to. Because Rogue Radio does need a face, does need an icon, does need somebody to, um, people need a face to look at, I guess, um, but you guys have already heard of my, you know, insecurities and stuff, so we'll see what happens. It might be audio, it might be video, just depends, um, but I'm not making any promises. It most likely will be video, but we'll see. Um, let's see. Uh, who else? Man. Shout out to Bo Vincent. Okay, he's a very good friend of mine. Um, so proud of him. He created his own podcast, which will launch in July. Um, so I am very, very happy that he's starting to do this. I'm so proud. Um, let's see here. It's called The Conviction of a Leader, and um, it is all about teaching leaders on how to be stronger leaders. Um, I want to say maybe in the ministry, but it could just be in general as well. Um, so he will be launching his podcast in July, um, and I will give you updates on where to find him. Um, in, on different platforms, but he sounds more professional than me, so um, kudos and credit and all the love to Bo because, oh my god, I'm so proud. <laughs> anyway, um, links on how to reach me will be down in the description below as long or at. See, this is why I'm not professional because I just trip over my words. But we're just going to keep going because, you know, I've done this intro many, many times. So, links on how to reach me will be down in the description below. Also, with links on how to reach Bo and how to reach Hold Up TV. So, let's go. Today is a Persecution Press episode, so let's just go ahead and do it, because I haven't done this one in a very long time, along with Down the Rabbit Hole, with, you know, my conspiracy theories stuff. Listen, I'm really sorry that Down the Rabbit Hole has been neglected after uh, the MK Ultra thing. It is very hard to gather correct information about a conspiracy theory, and it takes weeks. It takes 
almost months in order to gather all of that information to give to you guys. Um, so, uh, please be patient. I will end up doing another episode of that. So, um, you know, let's just get into Persecution Press right now. Um, country is gonna be India. So let's go. <laughs> I'm having a good morning. How's everybody else? Okay, so I think this is a positive story, but uh, let's read it first before I start making assumptions. But uh, let's see here. What does the article say? A helping hand, li uh, livelihood project empowers Indian pastors ministry. Um, I know I've talked about this many times before on Persecution Press, but India's got it really bad at the moment. I'm not going to sit here and say that the persecution's worse than every other country that's you know going through it right now. But I feel like it has gone through a lot for a very long time. Um, when I was in 10th grade, I found out that India had anti-conversion laws. So um, in India, you have your religion on your license and you can't convert to Christianity if you were a Hindu or a Muslim or what have you. You have to stay your own, like your birth religion. So um, people who convert into Christianity, they can't go and get a new license, which kind of you know, makes kinks in things that, um, you know, such as like job opportunities and stuff like that. They can't update their, um, you know, licenses and stuff like that. So like, they have it hard. They have it hard there. Um, there are churches being run out uh, by uh, radical Hindu um, groups. People are being assaulted, killed, beaten, um, and their houses their churches and their crops get burned down to the ground and basically their whole livelihood is taken away from them all because they believe in Jesus Christ. But, uh, so that's kind of like the base of what I wanted to say before I get into this um, article about India. So this was just yesterday, or was it today? <laughs> today is the 17th. So this was updated today by International Christian Concern, Pastor Arya had lovingly served his community in India for more than 13 years. Um, his ministry had reached uh, many villages during that time, but now he focused his efforts on the Christian congregation in his modest rural village. He shepherded uh, this small gathering of believers, uh, his local church, and they, they faithfully supported his ministry with tithes and offerings. Their support provided the means for Pastor Arya to live and continue his ministry. Distressingly, Pastor Arya's 
rural village community was badly impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. Just as the pandemic cut deep into the livelihoods of people worldwide, the pandemic also had destroyed Pastor Arya's ability to provide him uh, for himself and his family. Disease uh, prevention measures shut down churches in the country for many months, reducing the amount of support the pastor received to virtually nothing. Um, the tithes and offerings provided by his congregation had served um, his as a foundation upon which Pastor Arya could carry out his ministry, but with that foundation removed, he struggled to provide for his family. Um, the one thing I want to say, oh, never mind, I ain't going to say it. I, I'm just going to be veering off the topic, never mind. <laughs> Pastor Arya was deeply committed to his community and ministry, but he saw no way to go on. Uh, assistance to this rural community, uh, let alone his Christian congregation, was not a priority for the government of uh, India's Hindu-majority nation. In these discouraging circumstances, he lamented, I am passionate about carrying on the ministry that I have been doing for the last 13 years. The present condition of my support will not allow me to carry on. Um, in this dire situation, Pastor Arya uh, came to International Christian Concern, the ICC, with the idea to open up a grocery store to supply an alternative source of income for himself and his family. He said, I would like to start a grocery store business to start the finances or to raise the finances and meet my family's needs um, and also continue the ministry at the same time. Uh, the idea to open a grocery store is especially valuable because of the broader community because his broader community was, in fact, in need of such business. Um, but Pastor Arya was having trouble uh, just putting food on the table. He certainly did not have the money to build a new business from scratch. Without financial resources to invest in his idea, it would remain just that, an idea. ICC, however, listened to Pastor Arya. Our field team learned about his ministry and pres present need. Um, oh my god, I'm already getting happy and I haven't even gotten to the end of it. Um, a project uh, was <laughs> approved which provided the um, inventory necessary for him to start his grocery store business. Uh, after approving the project, ICC coordinated with the local past partner sorry, uh, to help the pastor purchase uh, goods in bulk. Uh, he gathered the supplies and successfully opened the retail operations out of a small shed. He, or the unassuming venture was a lifetime for Pastor Arya and his family, and he began to earn a stable income. The, <laughs> uh, the money has not only been enough to meet his family's personal needs, but has also been enough to cover some of the expenses of his ministry. Pastor Arya expressed, Thank you, International Christian Concern, for the support. Because of your support, we are able to establish the groceries uh, shop in our village, and it has given us a great hope to our family and ministry. 
Only through the support of our generous donors was the ICC able to help Pastor Arya and his family. If you have a desire to support ICC's mission to aid those who are persecuted and in need, like Pastor Arya, please consider donating so that the ICC can continue this impactful work. If you guys want to donate, go to uh, persecution.org. I love this ministry. This is Ah, they make me so happy. What they do is incredible. Um, I only say this, I'm not trying to promote it and try to get money or anything. I'm not linked to them. I'm not a partner with them. But the thing is, is that I have loved persecution.org, uh, Voice of the Martyrs magazine. Everything that they do is so pure and based on like pure mission work. Everything is based on pure mission work, and they all they all they want to do is spread the message of God and help those who are in their home countries spread the message of Jesus Christ. That is, uh, it makes me so excited. Oh, see, this is why I should be a missionary, Jesus. Uh, I I am so happy for Pastor Arya. Uh, God bless you, Pastor Arya. I know you probably won't listen. You probably don't. It don't matter. I'm. I'm rooting for you, bro. <laughs> I'm just that made me so happy. That actually blessed my heart. Um, because a lot of the time when I do these uh, stories and I um, I read them to you guys, most of the time it is negative. If some somebody dies, somebody is jailed, somebody is tortured. But today somebody lives, and today somebody was able to provide for himself and his ministry all by himself. Well, not all by himself, but all with the help of the ICC and all with the help of him getting himself back up on his feet in order to provide for his family and ministry. That is just a beautiful story to me. But um, if you guys want to donate, go to persecution.org and go ahead if you really want to. Um, but... Uh, Everything they do is incredible. Um, I think a lot of people try to stereotype missionaries. Uh, missionaries are, excuse me, badass, okay? Uh, and I say that because of what they have to do in order to get Bibles, in order to get um, the Word of God to people in the most rural countries. They have to go through so much, um, especially when it comes to a very restricted nation where Christianity is not um, looked upon as a great thing. These missionaries have to be sneaky. These missionaries have to actually be strategic in the way that they uh, decide to pass out Bibles and try to um, get the word out. So they smuggle Bibles like they're drugs. <laughs> and they have to go through restricted territories all by the faith of God, just standing on the word of God and knowing that God's going to protect them no matter what. And um, they do it. They do it successfully. Uh, they preach to even, like, terrorists. They preach to terrorist people. I mean, it, it, it makes me so excited. It just does. I, I don't, I have a heart for it. I love it so much. I have such a big passion for it. And I just freaking love it. I just, I'm happy. I'm very happy today. <laughs> It's a big change, isn't it, guys? Usually I'm the one that's angry, but today I'm just 
all smiles. I'm so happy that I read this story. Um, <laughs> um, but that's basically what a missionary does. They have to go through restricted um, areas in order to get to people who need to hear the word of God. Um, they literally drop Bibles from helicopters in order for people to get the Bible. Um, they go through many, many lengths in order to get to certain villages that can't be reached by car or bus or train. So they'll take a boat to that uh, nearing country, that country or not, um, to that city that's near that village. And then from there, they will take um, maybe a car ride. And then there they'll have to go on foot because the rest of the way, the terrain is so bad, is so tough to the point where the car can't get there. So they have to travel the rest of the way on foot just to give somebody a Bible, just to hand somebody a Bible. And because of all of that and their faithfulness in God, I will always have respect for missionaries. They do it all. They do it in the front lines and in the face of danger. And I absolutely love and respect those who are out there on the front lines helping people learn about the real Jesus Christ. I love you guys very, very much. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I wish I was one of y'all. I really, I really wish I was one of y'all. Oh. But listen. Um, God bless you. I am so happy. I'm so happy. Okay, let's go to the next, to the next one. Okay, this next one is in China, and for those of you who don't know, China is getting it very, very badly right now. Um, as far as I know, um, the last time I checked, China is... The people of China, um, especially in Shanghai, are really getting it um, for absolutely no reason, I feel. Um, they're... <coughs> excuse me. They are back in quarantine and uh it has been going on for a very long time now and um it is strange what's going on and it's also sad um i will you know say what i know um there are people that live in their own houses in in their own apartments that are the government has basically given them bike locks and I don't know. It's it's just so strange. I've I've heard so much, but basically they lock the government has locked um the people in their own homes where um there's only a certain day where you can go out and get food. Um they can't pay rent uh most of the time. A lot of people are starving and dying in their own apartments. Um and I can't imagine what they're going through right now. I've, I've posted a lot of videos on Instagram about what the people of China are going through. And it is so bizarre. It is so strange and so sad because I, I've seen a lot. I, I have seen a lot. And um, I've seen people being saran wrapped. Like, they get wrapped with saran wrap and get apprehended and put into 
COVID-19 recovery centers or whatever they say that, that it is. And um, they're, they're never seen again. And some of them, like I said, can't pay rent because they can't go to their jobs because, of course, they're quarantined. And if they decide to leave their home, that's a punishment. Like, the, the government is able to punish them. And um, so a lot of people can't provide for their own selves. They can't support themselves. They can't support their families um, and their children. So therefore, when they don't have enough money or the money's ran out during quarantine, they get evicted during quarantine. And they don't have anywhere to go. They run out of food. They don't have anywhere to go to get food. And it is, like I said, very bizarre. Very bizarre. But then again, China is under a dictatorship. It is under communism. And um, I've, I've said this before once, I think. Um, China, I think especially in Shanghai too, um, there are security cameras everywhere. Every inch of Shanghai is covered in security cameras. They watch the people as they go about their day for whatever reason. And um, they've also outlawed the, the Christian Bible and has decided to write their own socialist Bible. And the difference between a Christian Bible and a socialist Bible is this. There is an excerpt from um, the Bible that they wrote. So the story where Jesus spared this prostitute woman um, who uh, was about to be stoned to death, right? He says, to he without sin cast the first stone. And he writes in the sand, what we don't know what he wrote in the sand, but, um, and everybody decided to leave her alone. Instead of the people leaving her alone, well, no, that's not it. Basically after, so we know that, oh God, I'm so bad at telling stories. Give me a second. <laughs> okay. Basically... Jesus spared the woman, right, in that story, in the Bible story, in the, in the Christian Bible. In the socialist Bible, Jesus says, I'm a sinner too, and stones her to death himself. Um, I'm not sure how that's giving a woman grace, giving somebody who has sinned grace, but um, I, don't, I don't think that's what they were trying to even put across. And um, it's very blasphemous. And I, I can never see my God that way. But, um, so that is what China's going through right now. And I'm sure they're going through a whole lot more. Um, they're going through so much. So China, I, I've heard you. I've heard your cries. I know what you're going through and I will not stop talking about you. I will not stop talking about you. The people of China are screaming outside their windows in protest of what the government's been doing to them. And they have every right to. You take the free will of someone, you either break them or make them stronger because guess what? 
if you break them, they become controllable. But if you t try to take their free will, they're going to fight for it. So, the people of China, I know you listen to me. Fight. Please fight. Please fight. Anyway, we're going to go into the article right now. Posting online Christian content risks censorship for Chinese government. And this was yesterday. It was updated by the ICC. A woman in China has experienced severe censorship due to her religious messages deemed illegal by the government on the app DingTalk. Um, this news story comes after the implementation of the administrative measures for internet religious information services in March of this year. Chinese officials claim that it is, or that this initiative was necessary uh, to address religious groups who have set up virtual religious activity venues and religious institutions on the internet, which has disrupted and impacted the normal order of religious affairs management. That was just a bunch of mumbo jumbo to me. I mean, it, I live in America where you can choose to be whatever you, you know, believe you want to be. Uh, I've never had that restriction of believe, like not believing in, in a God that I, that I love, you know. So I can't really relate to what they're going through, especially when things are being censored so much to the point where even the Bible is being censored and being rewritten by the dictatorship over there. And um, so I can't, I can't relate and I'm sorry. I've, I can say that I've, I am privileged to, to be in America where I can choose my own religion and I can choose who I believe in. And um, I really wish that the people of China had that privilege because they deserve it. But according to China Christian Daily, the Christian uh, uh, the Christian complaint to DingTalk, an enterprise communication and collaboration platform, and learned or and learned later that her post was involving illegal uh, religious messages, violated one of the platform's rules. Yeah. Shut up. You take away somebody's voice, you take away their identity, and I think, I think the government of China knows that. Keep talking. Keep talking. Keep posting stuff. Because we're, we're even seeing that in, uh, on, like, in our shores, where in America we have fact checkers. Um which I think is stupid. Um, it, everybody's getting offended over here when people in China are suffering and they can't even speak, you know, about what they believe in. We get a slap on the wrist and say, oh, you know, your Facebook banned for 72 hours or your post is deleted or hidden or your uh, YouTube video is taken down because it insulted the algorithm, but, I mean, China's getting it hard, very hard. She has lost her user privileges previously on separate occasions, 
uh, the longest being 28 days. It is common for Christians to be banned from using the platform after posting religious content. Under China's new measures, uh, anyone who wants to share religious content online must apply to the provincial departments of religious affairs, um, making it a detailed statement um, on the licensing requirements, applications, materials, username, and the limit for acceptance, and the time limit for acceptance. Um, neither religious in individuals or organizations can convene together to share religious posts, teachings, or other information online unless they are registered and vetted by the state. Wow. Wow. Anyway, we're going to be talking about Pakistan and their blasphemy laws um, in this next part. But before we get into it, I just want to say anybody who feels the need to kill, torture, or um, shame or kill somebody because they have a different religion than you is wrong. Different belief, different relationship with a different god is wrong. Um, as much as I want everybody to believe in God and, and share in the love that Christ gives me every day and how much I love him and the relationship that has made me grown, I, I would take joy in that. It, when I see somebody come to the Lord, I take joy in that. That's a miracle to me. That's beautiful to me. But I know that's not always reality. I know that that is not always something that people choose to do. And as much as I want to love them and tell them about Christ, which I do sometimes on this podcast, I do. Um, I know not everybody's going to receive it the same way. I know not everybody is going to receive my words in a loving way or a nurturing way the way I want them to. Not everybody is going to take my lifestyle and put it to their life because everybody has the right to choose. And that's something that I want to kind of stress. Like, we're going to be talking about Islam versus Christianity in this article. And um, anybody who feels the need that someone needs to die because of their relationship with Christ is wrong. Um, it's not something that I... I, I don't I don't condone it I, I mean obviously I don't but um, it has been going on ever since the Bible Paul was tortured oh my god see how I got myself started on Paul good god Paul 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 bro listen this man got stoned in a sack, okay? Left for dead and this man gets up and walks away like a freaking G, okay? <laughs> Let me stop. 
But even the disciples, even the dis- uh, the apostles, and even the people who really went hard for Christ, like Paul did. Oh my God! Listen, it's uh, it's a thing that happens with Christianity. They get persecuted, and as much as I don't want to see my brothers and sisters suffer, and you know. My brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't want to see them suffer, of course not. But it comes with the territory, especially when you're an outspoken Christian and you're out there speaking the word and preaching the word and getting people uncomfortable in a good, necessary way, you're going to get persecuted. Okay? I'm not here. I'm not. uh, I am not here. For the Christians who are in the pews wearing pink panties, okay? I can't stand y'all. You don't do nothing except for living a you live in a broken record lifestyle. Do you really do you do you notice that? See, I'm veering off the topic. Let me rant for a second. Pink panty wearing pastors. <laughs> Pink panty wearing congregation pew warmers. Okay. I can't stand you guys. You guys will not talk about God unless it's inside the church. You will not talk about Jesus Christ unless it's inside the church. You guys want to be liked. You guys want to be accepted because persecution is uncomfortable. But you're like, yo, I want to be like the Apostle Paul. Trying to hype yourself up saying that you want to be like the Apostle Paul, but you won't take the extra mile to do it. Sit down. Because all you will ever be is a pew warmer. Sir, ma'am. Because if you don't go outside the walls of the church and venture out to where God needs you, You are going to be nothing more than a pew warmer, and I can't stand you. People like this man that I'm going to be talking about. Okay. I love people like this. I, I love people who go out and preach the word of God, or who is just basically a witness they're witnessing to people just by their life, by the way they believe in God, by their relationship with God. Because even your life can even be a witness to somebody. And I love that. Because as much as I don't want my brothers and sisters in Christ to suffer, like I said, it comes with the territory. And people who are willing to go through that are like the people in the Bible. And I love that, and I have respect for that. Um, but let me just get into this. I know I ranted a little bit. It's just because I had it in my head. I'm like, hmm, people in church disgust me. Okay, let's go. Let's just get into it, because now I'm going to be preaching. And uh, you know what? You know what? I might just preach in a minute. Maybe later. (laughs) No, where'd it go? Okay, here it is. Another Pakistan Christian jailed for blasphemy. 
This came from yesterday's updated from the ICC. Uh, Rhett Masai, a I'm I'm sorry, Ramat Masai, um, a Christian imprisoned on blasphemy charges, pleaded not guilty in a statement to the judge on May 30th. Arrested on January 3rd, Masai was languished in prison for over five months. Um, he is accused for pro- uh, he is accused of profaning and desecrating the Quran. No evidence exists, however, justifying this charge. Um, let's see. <coughs> His Muslim accusers found pages of the Quran um, in a sewage drain and simply assumed that Messiah was responsible because he was a Christian. And because the pages had come from a publishing house where he worked as a cleaner. Uh, when his accusers confronted him, Messiah confidently stated that he was unaware of the tarnished pages and police arrested him regardless. And he was subsequently also denied bail on January 19th. Masai was repeatedly refused, or has repeatedly refused, to convert to um, Islam, despite pressure from employees and owners at the publishing house. Uh, when he was first arrested, police tortured him, concerning from uh, concerning him to initially confess to the blasphemy crime, which he maintains he did commit, or he did not commit. Jeez, I'm sorry. Um, Masai's wife and two children have faced uh, persecution. The police threatened the family and warned them not to contest the legal case against Masai. They had to relocate for their own safety. As in this case, Pakistan's blasphemy laws are often used as weapons against Christians. Their accusers threaten them and have them imprisoned, sometimes at risk of death penalty, the risk of a death penalty sentence. Uh, with little to no evidence or due process. According to the Center for Social Justice, at least 1,949 people accused of blasphemy between 1985 to 19 or to 2021. Um, I have, or okay, have been subjected to false allegations. So. 1,949 people accused of blasphemy between those years, and have been subjected to false. Allegations, prolonged trials, and displacement. Uh, we pray for relief and freedom for Ramat Masai and other Christians like him accused of blasphemy in Pakistan. Now, I know Iran listens to me, so hello, Iran. Here we go. Seven Iranian Christians receive combined 32 years in prison. And this comes from yesterday, from the ICC as well. Last week, on June 7th, an Iranian-Armenian pastor was sentenced to 10 years in an Iranian prison. Uh, after he is released, the court ordered that he be subject to, two, to a two-year form of two-year term of exile in a remote southeast Iranian province and a two-year ban from international travel and from 
political and social organizations. Iran's intelligence services will monitor him after his release as well. Yo, listen, what's his name? Oh, they don't, they don't say his name. This pastor must be really preaching really good in order for the Iranians intelligence service to be watching him while he's being exiled for two years. Amazing. Amazing. I'm sorry. I don't like that he's suffering right now, but the thing is, real Christianity, persecution comes with the territory. It always does, and it always will. And that's the thing. When someone loves God that much, they're not going to mind the persecution either. Because their belief in God and their voice matters so much more than the, the mortal body that they're in and, and the circumstances that they're in. It always is about Christ and standing up for him. And uh, the, the fact that he stood up for Christ to the point where he is being watched by the Iranian intelligence service. I want to listen to one of your sermons, man. I do. <laughs> what made them so afraid of you? I want to know. Oh my God. Two of the women who are converts were also... Uh, each sentence alongside the pastor to six years in prison for their service as leaders in the house of churches. In the house churches. In house churches. In house churches? They're going, they're going into house churches now. They're going into house churches. You know what house churches are? Okay. We don't call it a house church in the ministry that I'm at. We just call it a ministry. And I love that because it's a family. House ministries are where it's at, people. You want to really go to church? You, no, you really want to experience God and the move of God and the Holy Spirit? You find yourself a freaking house ministry. Find yourself a house ministry. Find yourself a house ministry that is organized by a Christian family that gets it. That gets it. I am... I'm so happy that I'm a part of one and I'm going to brag about it. <laughs> I'm going to brag about it all the time. I'm pounding on the table. I, I hope that's not hurting anybody's ears, but house churches are now being infiltrated and being watched. Wow. Okay. Uh, and how did you guys find my number? I don't, I don't like that. Okay. Uh, four other Christian converts were each sentenced to between one and four years imprisonment for merely being members of house churches. Um, though their prison sentences could be exchanged for a fine, for fine payments of eight hundred to one thousand two hundred and fifty dollars. Iran is. The Iranian government is really scared of Christians, I swear to God. Wow. Uh, the, ju <laughs> the judge in their case wrote, The papers of this 
uh, case file indicate that this person who considers himself an Armenian, an ethnic group recognized as Christian in Iran. Um, is that what that is? Okay. And has traveled abroad several times and attended a gathering in Turkey, having established a group to attract Muslims and under the cover of religious programs for prayer. Um, has propagated evangelical Christianity and with illegal activities and unfounded claims has abused people's inner weaknesses and attracted some of them to the membership of his group. Since when is it illegal to have a church, like a, to have a house ministry in your own home? See, like, again, I live in America where we're allowed to do that right now. We're allowed to do that. We're allowed to organize ministries within our homes. So hearing this from Iran is so, it's bizarre to me because I've never been in that situation to where I would have to recant for my beliefs and my being a, being in attendance in a, in a ministry group in a house. I mean, what is so wrong with that? Um, Iran is technically a seniority, seniority, seniority of the um, International Co Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, which is intended to guarantee religious freedom. These cases show that this religious freedom does not actually exist on Iran. So they basically just have, what is it, what is it called, what they say it was? International Covenant in Civil and Political Rights, which intended to guarantee religious freedom. So basically they guarantee religious freedom, but they're not actually practicing religious freedom for those people who are in house ministries. House ministries are getting infiltrated, man. What in the world? Leave the house ministries alone. Um, these cases show that religious freedom is not actually does not actually exist in Iran. In Iran, the spread of Christianity is often labeled as propaganda, propagandizing, and therefore an action against national security. As a result, uh, Christians face fines, imprisonment, and other forms of persecution. Christians. Uh, human rights activists and other uh, prisoners jailed in um, excuse me um, jailed in face I'm sorry in Iran face a harsh reality of systematic human rights abuse recently on June 10th for example Amnesty International reported that Iranian uh, authorities planned to amputate the fingers of eight prisoners. Um, these and other torture punishments are often utilized by the Iranian government and um, the, the nation's um, Islamic penal code allows for various kinds of torture, which include flogging, binding, stoning, and even crucifixion. <sighs> Oh my god. Christians in Iran face some of the most severe persecution of anywhere in the world. On top of the harsh legal consequences that threaten the nation's uh, Christian community, 
um, Christians also broadly face harassment and discrimination. Yeah, I think it's also in Pakistan too, where they they are not allowed to have certain jobs. Uh, Christians, um, Iran, they don't let certain um, Christians or certain people have jobs because they're not Islamic. They don't believe in Allah. Um, they are routinely denied work, education, and other opportunities. The plight of Christians in Iran is dire, and their persecution must be exposed for change, or before change can come to Iran. So, it's time! For a break. Because I need to finish my breakfast, so. Have fun. Have fun on your break. And um, I'll, I'll be right back after this annoying message. Alright, next up is Nigeria. Nigerian terrorist bomb church, part of increasingly complex attacks on Christians across the country. So, there's drone footage of St. Francis Church after the attack. That's drone footage? Oh. The ICC reports no one could attend a church after terrorists set off uh, explosives at St. Francis Catholic Church in the Nigerian town of Owo. It's spelled O W. Um, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but Ondo State in, on June 5th. The attack showed an unusual amount of planning and coordination as multiple gunmen um, inside and outside the church shot parishioners before escaping in a getaway, in a getaway car. The getaway car was uh, eventually found, but the attackers had transferred to other vehicles. Unfortunately, the attack on St. Francis Church was not the only one that week. In fact, more than 100 Christians were killed last week in Nigeria. See, you don't hear this stuff on the news, ever. They don't want you to, to understand that there are people suffering in everywhere else, you know. It's fine when we hear about American news and, and the United States and, and what we're going through and everything like that. But when you, even in world news, I don't believe that they actually cover this stuff because they don't want to scare people. Like, they want to scare people when they want to. But when it's something like this and it's a hate crime, it's basically a hate crime that these terrorists ended up attacking a church. And it, ow, and it's just, it's terrible. I, I don't, I don't think it should have been done. And people, more people need to be informed by this stuff. Um, because the world out there is dangerous. And in certain areas, maybe more so, but people need to understand that, especially in America, we are so spoiled. 
we have the right to choose. We have the right to say what we want and we have the right to be whatever we want and everything like that. People in other countries don't get that. They don't get that. They have to have a hard time because people choose to give them a hard time about believing in Christ and believing in what they want to. And um, if you guys haven't noticed that Nigeria, a lot of people are Muslim in that area as well, like in Nigeria. There's certain places in Nigeria and other countries like it in Africa that um, are going through persecution because of Sharia law and because of um, the Islamic extremist guerrilla um, groups that, that want to terrorize people just because they believe in Christ. But locals spoke to the ICC seven days after 48 um, Ig- Igbo Christians um, were killed by Fulani terrorists on, at St. Francis Church, Catholic Church in Owo, uh, which is just 34 kilometers from the state capital, Akure. Uh, I mispronounced your capital, I'm sorry. Um, it was time to close with a prayer at noon when the attackers arrived at the church. An eyewitness uh, and church member told ICC, the parish priest said, go in peace. We are about to um, answer when the first gunshot um, I'm sorry, we were about to answer when the first gunshot killed 15, uh, uh, let me read that again, I'm getting confused, I'm confusing myself, this, this is, I'm sorry, it was, it was time to close with a prayer at noon when the attackers arrived at the church, an eyewitness told, um, an eyewitness and church member told the ICC, the parish priest said, go in peace. We were about to answer when the first gunshot killed a 15-year-old boy at the church gate. That, that angers me. They, they are heartless. People like this are heartless. You're going to kill a child. An ICC staffer who visited the church shortly after the attack saw blood splashed on the ground around the whole of the church, but no worshipers. We are still mourning, another parishioner told ICC. We said the, or he said the loss, he lost his father and mother during the attack. Uh, he said he saw two people with guns, but was not sure if they were police or soldiers. The attack came as a surprise to us because the attackers were within the congregation. Oh my god, really? An eyewitness told ICC. The or he said the attackers are all were all of Fulani origin, uh, though authorities have yet to identify the attackers. Fulani militants who uh militants are all are who I swear to God, I know how to read. Uh, Fulani militants are who attacked the church, he added. I lost four of my family members, he said, and a total of 48 of my tribesmen were killed. Imagine just going to church and losing 
four of your family members. Just imagine that for a second. You're going to church. It doesn't matter if you're a pew woman. I'm sorry. Wherever you attend church with your family, you lose four of them. You go in with these family members, with your family, attend church, listen to the sermon, worship, and then you come out losing four of them. The chairman of the Christian Association of Owo County told ICC that Fulani militants are the ones attacking villages in Owo. Um, saying that they are all over the local forest, destroying farms and raping women. He claimed that more than 100 Christians are um, were killed in the last attack, though the government says the number stands at 38. The federal government has said that the Islamic State West Africa Providence is responsible for the uh, attack on the church. Um, away from Owo, more Fulani militants um, killed 32 Christians in an evangelical church, winning all church in Kajiru, Kaduna State. Um, after the attack, the church members uh, could not attend church due to the trauma. Um, multiple eyewitnesses and community leaders leaders were testified. I cannot talk now. See, I'm starting to hit the talking wall. You're, you're, you're listening to an introvert talk a lot. So give me a second. Multiple eyewitnesses and community leaders have testified that the attackers shot from the helicopter, killing worshipers and fleeing the church service. Um, ICC will soon visit the community for details if confirmed the attacker's use of a helicopter to conduct the attack represents a significant jump in sophistication and complexity. Um, attackers usually prefer to arrive and leave in on inconspicuous motorcycles and have not shot from helicopters in the past. Um, in the Plateau State, uh, which neighbors in Kun Kaduna State, um, two Christian students were killed after the Sunday service. Um, locals told ICC that the Fulani militants visited um, the school uh, hostel at, at night and killed two male students. Um, on June 12th, another um, 11 Christians were killed in uh, Benui State's uh, Igama community in Akpakawu, local government area. I apologize for my mispronunciation. Uh, nine people were killed, said the Amina Adu uh, local government council chairman. Locals confirmed that this account um, is true to the ICC. So, Nigeria is going through it. And, um, my goodness. I love you, Nigeria, and I will always, always have a voice for you.
Okay. <clears throat> Let's try that again. <laughs> okay. Uh, they... I'm not sure what this means. Um, I think this village... Like, the people in this village are called Coptics. Or, um, Copics. Uh depending on like maybe the ethnic group that they're in or the, the where they're at that that's what they're called um but coptic christian brutally murdered by known extremists the icc reports on june 5th a muslim man randomly attacked a coptic christian in a village in egypt the christian man abdullah hasni was visiting family when his attacker um, who had a long history of harassing Christian, knocked him from uh, his motorbike and hacked him with a meat cleaver. <laughs> Repeatedly. The hate that you have to have in order to kill somebody is something that I never want to ever know. I cannot imagine the hatred that this man had in his heart in order to take another life. And all because he was a Christian, all because he felt good killing somebody who was different from him. That's evil. That's the highest form of evil you can ever get to, is, is torture and murder. You murder somebody, I don't ever want to understand what goes through someone's head when when they do murder or anything like that. It's evil. It's evil. The Christian was immediately rushed to the hospital and um, they said he was drenched in blood with multiple stab wounds. Uh, he spent three days in intensive care but eventually passed away as a result of his injuries including slashes to his skull. He leaves behind two children. So you didn't just kill a man. Like, you didn't just murder a man. You just, you murdered a father. Those children don't have a father anymore. Those children are fatherless. And the way they are going to be brought up is because of you. You robbed them of a good father. You rob them of a father. And I hope to God they have somebody there to raise them up the right way. Because their father's blood is on your hands. I don't understand why people can't understand the gravity of, of their actions like that. But the local Coptic Christian community was outraged by the murder. A, reported, um, a report recorded a, uh, the state of anger among the village's cops um, because the perpetrator, um, Abdullah Hasni, had previously assaulted, the, uh, assaulted and always harassed cops, but no action has ever been taken against him. So I feel like... Um, since I feel like there's a typo there is a little bit of a misunderstanding unless both men were called uh, Abdullah Hasni um, I don't think that that's a possibility but the Christian man is the man who is named Abdullah Hasni as 
far as I know. Um, but it does sound like this. <laughs> it sounds just like the perpetrator is Abdullah Hasni, but we don't actually know. Um, that kind of confused me. Sorry about that. Um, in response to this incident, the authorities at first considered trying the killer as mentally ill after the medical report eventually shown to be forged uh, was submitted by the killer's family. Oh my god, see, the thing is, families are toxic. I'm sorry, blood don't always make you family, okay? Let me go on a tangent for a second. If you are in a family that's toxic and decides to um, defend a murderer, a pedophile, a rapist, or any type of other evil thing that this person has done, get out of there real quick because they don't care about you. They don't care about your well-being. They don't care about how you feel. They don't care about your opinions on this person that did this evil thing. They only care about sheltering that person that did the wrong thing for whatever freaking reason. Um, and it's awful. Families will always make an excuse in order to keep their family together. Even when it has, even when it involves murder, sexual abuse, pedophilia, and rape. Like, what? what is with that? What is with that? Family should not be that, that close-knit. Because, listen, if a family member decided to kill somebody, I'm like, I am not your friend. I am not your family member. Get away from me. You're, you're not my family member anymore. I don't know you anymore. I don't know who you are anymore. That's me. And in my life, I've known and understood that blood does not make you family. It doesn't always make you family. The blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. That's what I believe. Blood is not thicker than water. You ever seen a drop of blood go into water? It disappears. It disappears. Blood is not thicker than water. Anyway. Just the fact that this family just decided to defend the murderer because they don't want to see their family member go to jail is... It just kind of shows that family toxicity is universal. It happens everywhere. Let's see here. Further legal proceedings in this case are ongoing. Unfortunately, violence like this against Christians in Egypt has increased recently. Um, uh, in one egregious case in April of this year, a Coptic priest was stabbed to death as, a, um, as he guided a group of 35 young parishioners on a spiritual picnic. What does that mean? What's a spiritual picnic? What is that? I've never heard of a spiritual picnic. I'm sure it's just a regular picnic, but why you gotta call it a spiritual picnic? <laughs> Either way, I'm sorry. Uh, Egypt's Grand uh, Mufti uh, proved the death of uh, the death sentence for the priest's attacker, 
and uh, this past weekend, but unfortunately many Christian victims do not find such justice. Um, in late April, another um, Christian man was shot 22 times and killed by four unidentified masked men. A man posted a video on May 13th claiming to be one of the killers. So you just proudly broadcasted that like a dumbass. You just proudly said, I'm the one that killed this dude and posted it online thinking that you weren't going to get caught. He said that he was loyal to Allah and that he was delighted that he had killed him. Despite his apparent confession, the police have not yet arrested him. Okay. See, this is the problem. We let people like this go free and we wonder why the world is the way it is. We wonder why the world is the way it is. The system don't care about us. The system do not care. The system has fun with this stuff. I'm sorry. Let's go. Let's go to another one. All right, we got three more to go. You're going to look with me because I'm getting lazy now. So, what's the next one? Catholic, I think. No, we haven't done that one yet, but we've already done India. Hmm. I think I've gone through a lot of these already. More false charges in India persecution. I guess we can do India again. I tried to make sure that um, I get a variety of different countries because everybody's story matters. Uh, more false charges in India. So ICC reports 13 Christians in India's utter Uttar Pradesh state are in jail of false charges of forcible Christian conversion activities. Thing is, is that I, I've never actually seen like a respectable Christian. I've seen crazy Christians before. But none of, neither of them, neither the crazy Christian, as much as they want to convert somebody and make them a Christian, actually is ever successful. They, they've never actually been successful on that. And neither a good-natured Christian, they don't want to make anybody believe in anything. They just want to spread the love of God. And that's the thing. This is what I don't understand. There's the, the hypocrisy of um, extreme Islam where they want to make somebody convert back to Islam when they find out this person is a Christian, but they're also accusing of the Christians converting Islam and Hindus uh, unwillingly. Like, what? Bro, you've been caught already doing this, doing the same thing that you're you're accusing Christians of doing, and that's that's the irony to me. That that's the irony. But anyway, um, thirteen Christians in India's Uttar Pradesh state are in jail of false charges of forcible conversion activities. What are forcible conversion activities? I'm very 
very, very curious. Do they just say, believe in Jesus Christ at gunpoint? Do they just like scream at them and be like, believe in Jesus Christ with a gun to their head? I don't think so. I don't think that they just open up their doors. They open up their doors and let them see that God is real. And if they choose to convert, that's on them. Ten men and three women are anxiously waiting to be released while their family members were are shattered by the hostile environment created by the radical Hindu nationalists. Um, in one incident, a priest was arrested in a false sexual assault complaint against an 11-year-old. Um, the medical examination showed no evidence of this, so the family changed the accusation to verbal abuse. Oh my god. According to local Christians, the motivation for the arrest of the priest was that the upper caste community hates Christians. So, guys don't know, I'll give you a little bit of a history lesson, I guess. Um, India has a caste system. The upper caste is usually the rich and the royals, the celebrities, um, the business, the high-up CEOs and businessmen, um, they're usually the ones that are upper class, upper caste. Then there's the middle caste, which would be living in like a, you know, a blue collar life, I guess. Um, working class, basically. Um, then there's the farmers, the, um, the ones that run their own business, little businesses and stuff like that. And then you have what they call in India, the Dalits. And Dalits are untouchables. That's what Dalit means. Dalits are the ones that make their home in heaps of trash in India. And they sort through this trash in order to find something, at least one thing, of worth to sell on the streets. And they live in heaps of trash. They literally live in tents in heaps of trash in order to find something valuable that somebody has thrown away in order to sell on the market. Um, it is a miracle for a Dalit to um, get a job, um, like at a seamstress or what have you. Um, some Dalits end up becoming sex workers, which is very um, common in India. And it is just a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack in there, uh, according, like, with the, with, the, with the lifestyle of the Dalits. So you have that caste system laid out for you where the, the rich and the, the people who live a lavish lifestyle or even maybe just like a middle-class lifestyle, they don't like that Christians are starting to um, have a voice in, in India. So, according to local Christians, the motivation to arrest the priest... Okay. Uh, so, they fabricated a story to slander the priest. Um, an anonymous Christian leader in the area explained that the complaint was given to misalign uh, priest's character in uh, the process. The girl... The girl's family wanted to get money. 
Uh, okay, so basically this person, this lady that, you know, accused the priest of sexual assault only wanted money from the court thing. So, the harassment was meted um, to Christians by hook or crook. Um, it is increasingly becoming difficult for priests and pastors con to, to conduct any kind of gatherings, it is sad to say. Um, one of the men who were in the jail for over three months recently shared his experience with ICC. It was very frustrating as my wife and I were both in the jail at the same time, and there much uh, and there much delay in getting the bail. But I saw God was working even in that situation. He stated, able to take the scriptures into the jail for three months. He was there. He took the Bibles to study and conducted worship for people who were in the jail. Ah! Yes, bro! Listen, I get excited. I get excited when people do that. Even in jail, Christians like this are resilient. I, they are strong. When they are weak, they are strong. That's proof. When they are weak, they are strong. Or when, that's not it. I should, <laughs> good Lord. In his, in our weakness, he is strong. So the God in us is strong in our weakness, in our weak times, in our times of defeat. God is strong. The God in us is able to go ahead and preach to people in prison and conduct a worship service in prison. That's beautiful to me. I'm sorry. I, I just love Jesus. I, I love Jesus and I, I am so crazy. I'm crazy about him. Just listening to, just reading that story, he just makes me want to laugh because it's like, yo, you can't keep a good Christian down. You really can't. You can't keep a good Christian down. You can't keep a good man of God down. You really can't. And it's amazing. It's amazing how uh, God uses us as a witness anywhere we go. And it's, it's beautiful. I, mm, God, you're beautiful. I haven't told you that you're beautiful today, God. You're amazing. You're gorgeous. You're beautiful. <laughs> Yo, this dude pulled a Paul. He pulled an apostle Paul preaching the gospel in prison. I love you, man. Ah, uh, oh my God. Okay. According to USF, Uttar Pradesh has had nearly 130 reported um, incidents of persecution in the first quarter of 2022. Um, though already staggering, that number is likely to rise um, if this trend persists. We pray for our suffering brothers and sisters. Absolutely. Keep praying. Okay, here comes the next one. So, Persian-speaking Christian converts protest right to work. ICC reports um, 25 Iranian Christian um, converts signed a joint statement regarding the deprivation of their right to work. According to the Article 18, uh, signorities uh, included several Christians 
previously imprisoned for their faith, such as Sam Cavor... Sam Kavorsky? See, I am so sorry, I, I can't pronounce the names. But we'll just say Sam, Mayram, and Mary. Um, the uh, statement's release coincided with um, International Workers' Day and detailed the obstacles that Iranian authorities place um, in the way of Christians' ability to work, even in self-employment. The statement reads, in part, Many Christians, in spite of being uh, deprived of the right to education, acquired lots of expertise and abilities in various fields, but in spite of the urgent need of the country to use specialists and elites in order to solve the frequent and numerous social crisis, um, in none of the man managerial man manager levels, um, legislation, science, medicine, in any of the ministries, um, important government institutions and other important positions have they any place at all to build their future and future of others. So basically, Christians, like converted Christians, um, are not able to work in any of those positions, especially, you know, if they have the education to do so. So if there's a scientist out there or a doctor out there who just happens to be Christian, you're out of work. Although Christianity is constitutionally recognized in Iran, that only includes um, indigenous Christians, such as those from Armenian and Assyrian backgrounds. Persian-speaking converts have no such rights for gathering and recognition. Which is not okay. Okay, last one. Rohingya Christians meet with police force at refugee camp. In Myanmar, ICC reports, uh, for years, religious minorities in Myanmar have suffered violence and discrimination at the hands of the state. In 2017, most of the country's remaining Rohingya population uh, was forced to flee after enduring a genocide at the hands of the Burmese military. Um, many uh, now have or have to live in refugee camps in neighboring Bangladesh. Uh, those who have remained uh, continue to face violence and discrimination at the hands of the Buddhist Nationalist Army. Buddhist Nationalist? See, again, I don't really know much about Buddhism. I don't know much about um, a lot of different religions. That's not me being ignorant. It's just something that I've never really looked into. I never really had the time. But I do know that Buddhism is all about peace, right? And meditation. I don't know. See, I don't even want to stereotype it. But I've never actually thought that Buddhists would want to kill Christians. I don't understand that one, but 
anyway, ICC is previously has previously reported that uh, while most of the Rohingya population is Muslim, within the Rohingya minority resides another minority, Rohingya Christians. Um, these believers suffer not only violence, imprisonment, and oppression from the Burmese military, but also from their neighboring Rohingya Muslims on account of their faith. Um, recently, some police officers who converse, uh, who, I'm sorry, who oversee Cox's Bazaar refugee camp in Bangladesh, uh, where many Rohingya, um, including many Rohingya Christians live, arranged a meeting with Rohingya Christian leaders. 29 Christians attended the meeting while the police battalion asked us how we spend our days in the camp and if we have any problems. Sure, if David, pastor of the Gate Church, told Asian News. The pastor um, asked the police for protection and a burial ground for the Christian Rohingya in the camp since Muslim Rohingya uh, do not allow the Christians to see or to use their cemetery. David told officers we want to live in this camp with a brotherly relationship and our or end in peace with the Muslim Rohingya even though they often deliver hateful sermons against Christians and other religious forms um, or, or other religions from their mosque. Um, David is a spiritual leader of about 120 believers, uh, originally from uh, Butehang town in Radkin State. Um, the Rohingya Christians in Cox's Bazaar. Um, the world's largest refugee camp, uh, number more than 3,000, but only a third have declared their faith because of many fear threats and retaliation. Um, a Christian believer who attended the meeting with police on May 9th said he was happy with the experience. No police agency had ever contacted us directly. I am happy that they uh, came to listen to us. Namil Namil Hoke, an officer with the uh, 8th Armed Police Battalion, assured them that the police would ensure the safety of the Christians. Um, if you have any problems, let us know, he said during the meeting. Man, you got some protection. I'm so happy for you guys. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Um, I will see you in the trenches next time. Thank you so much for listening.